Well, good morning. That, uh, that clip shows uh, an uncle who's still really looking for his place in life. He's searching for his significance and really ties into what we're going to talk about today. Just this quest that we all face of um, looking to really matter in life. Um, trying to relive things is what Uncle Rico was trying to do there. I've connect, I can connect with Uncle Rico um, different times. Um, I've said that. Oh, if only I could do it again. You know, I'm one of the coaches at the, at the high school for wrestling and never fail. Two, three coaches every, every wrestling match will say to each other, man, I'd love to do it again. I'd love to get out there. Maybe they'll call me in today and, you know, if, they, if we lose a you know, wrestler or whatever. But anyway, we all have this search, this side of us that just wants to be significant. We want to matter. We're in this message series called Lost. And so if you have your bulletin, you see there's a, a handout in there. You can follow along with the, with the message. And we're just looking at this idea of being lost. Lost is really a good metaphor for our lives. Sometimes we just feel that way. Sometimes we feel extremely lost. We're not sure what our purpose is. We're not sure where we're heading. We're not sure uh, why we really matter. And this is one of the questions that really comes up in our lives is, why, why am I here? Why do I really matter? And we start to have doubts about our self-worth, um, our identity. We kind of wonder how we fit into the bigger picture. And so I really want to look at this today. Um, oftentimes we tie our identity to our jobs or to the roles that we play in life, um, depending on what you do for work. If you're, a, if you're a man, especially guys do this with our work, we tie everything into our careers, the things that we pour our time into. And if, if work isn't going well, if, if things are just not moving forward in the direction we had hoped they would for our career, then we begin to question why we really matter. Uh, maybe you're a mom and you feel like the big family chauffeur and all you do is you just feel like you're just trucking your family around to different events, practices, school, and you're just in the midst of that, this question kind of rises in your mind again is, do I really matter? I'm the chauffeur here. Maybe you've already raised your kids and your kids are already out of the house and, and they've left, you've poured yourself into them. And they're out on your own. And now your job, in a sense, has, has changed. Your role has changed. And again, that question creeps up. Why do I really matter? Anytime something's failing in our life, if our marriages are struggling, if our parenting is, if we're having a hard time in our parenting, financially, we really begin to ask these questions about our significance. And so I wanted to look at this to really see what God has to say about this question of, why we matter. The Israelites, we looked at last week how the Israelites were a group of people in the Old Testament who knew what it was like to feel lost. They really knew what it was like to, to be searching for significance and struggle with their sense of self-worth. And the Bible tells us that they were a group of people who were enslaved in the land of Egypt under a pharaoh for 400 years. That's a bad deal. And God, what he did was he raised up a person named Moses. You may have heard the story. He raised up this guy, Moses, who was to be someone who was to deliver them out of the land of Egypt and out of Pharaoh's, um, out from under Pharaoh's hand. And 
lead them towards a promised land. And as they were going there, they began to lose heart. They began to lack faith. And God, what he did is, is he just caused them to be wandering in the desert. Just wandering in the wilderness. And in that 40-year period, I think what they really began to feel was this sense of lostness. And we talked about that last week, how God began to answer some of their questions there in the desert. But in the book of Numbers, we're not really going to look at this today, but in the book of Numbers, we're told several times that the Israelites, they began to grumble in their situation. And when I feel lost, or when I'm searching for significance, it's very easy for me to do that. It's very easy for me to grumble about where I'm at and how I feel. And it got so bad that in the book of Numbers, the Israelites, they said this, why don't you just... Why don't we just die here in the desert? It seems like we should just throw in, you know, just give up, cash it all in and move on because it seems like we've been abandoned here. And the Israelites actually said, why would God do this? Why would he lead us into the desert and then just have us die? Because they felt like their needs weren't being provided for. And they felt like God was setting them up. And so they began to question God in a lot of things. God, have you set me up? Have you abandoned me? Have you left me? And it's very easy for us to feel that way, to feel set up by God. Maybe you've, you, know, you fell in love, you were in a relationship, things were going great, and then time passed, and things began to dissolve in the relationship. And you feel like, Man, I, God, I thought you put this together, now I feel kind of set up, feeling a little ripped off here. Or maybe financially, you've invested in something, you've you put all your eggs in one basket, and then it turns out that that basket was a scam. Or it just didn't, it didn't pan out in the way that you hoped it would. And you feel like, man, I thought God, I thought you were in this, God. Did you set me up? That's exactly how the Israelites were feeling. They were frustrated in their circumstances. God, you brought us out of slavery, and now you've just left us to die in the wilderness? It was right about this time when God, he began to answer their questions and show them they really were significant. And what he did was he sent them a very special special message. He gave them the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They received these books. The Moses, he, God used him to pen these words. And he, he basically, through these books, began to answer these questions that they had about why we exist, how significant we are. Last week we looked at that question of how did I wind up here? You know, how, how, how did we land on planet Earth? Well, we looked at what God says in the Bible and how it says that, you know, God created things. He spoke things into existence. We didn't just evolve, but God spoke and supernaturally things appeared. And so we looked at that last week. And today what we're going to do is we're going to see how God tells us in the scriptures that we really matter. We're going to pick up from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and move forward a little bit just to look at the creation of human beings and see how this shows our significance. Our significance is wrapped up in this creation account here. And this is sort of the climax of creation. God was creating things. He was just going on and on. He was speaking things into existence. There was this pattern, you know, that God would speak the heavens and the earth. You know, he created the lights, the planets, the, you know, the solar system, vegetation, animals, and so on and so on. And then he creates all this stuff. But when he gets to human beings... Verse 26 looks a little different. And so I want to look at that with you. God, what he does is he kind of pauses and he talks to himself. And he says, you know, let us make man in our image. And it's 
it's kind of like he's deliberating within himself. And I'm going to explain what I'm saying here in just a second. But he's deliberating with himself when it comes to creating human beings. Because this was not like anything else he'd created. We are different. We're unique. And so I want to look at how unique we are. I want to read this together if we could. We did this last week and I thought that worked okay. So let's do that again. Never really done that. So let's just read these four verses together. Genesis 1, 26 through 31. You see it up there. So let's read this together. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning on the sixth day. That worked well, once again. That's challenging. But in this, what you find out is that you really matter. In these verses, God answers that question. Yes, you do matter. And so I want to just pull out three things from these verses, and then look at one other verse in chapter 2. The first thing is this. You find it on your listening guide. I matter because I bear God's image. Very simple. I bear God's image. All of us have a self-image. We all have terms that we think of when we think about ourselves. And our self-image, it comes up from different places. It comes from our background, from our history, from our experiences, from the way that our parents talk to us, from the way that we may have been teased from the way that we may have been beaten up from the way that we were treated all of these things add different layers that really start to add up and create the way we view ourselves our self-image and if you've ever experienced some um, any kind of abuse extreme emotional abuse physical abuse you know that adds just another layer providing a picture of how you view yourself and for some of us that self-image can be wrapped up in some words maybe the word that you you know, have in your mind is loser. Maybe it's unwanted. Maybe unloved. Maybe it's just it's lost. Wanderer. Stupid. Liar. You know, other people have more, they use language in the way we, they view themselves. Like beautiful, smart, you know, cool, desirable, um, the master of the universe. Like He-Man, you know. But, you know, we have these different ideas about ourselves. We all have a self-image. And for me, I, I sense God was leading me into ministry in college. And while I was in college, I really experienced a real battle with this issue of self-worth and self-image. And I would hear myself 
just thinking, you don't really measure up. Who are you kidding? A pastor? A pa- Those are perfect people. And you're certainly not one of them. Because I knew, I, I know everything I've ever done. I know all the things I was into in college and all the struggles I faced. And it was very easy for me in my head to just talk myself out of going forward in that. Because, you know, I had this image of myself. And I'll do that still. Sometimes I just beat myself up. Usually it can happen on a Saturday night. You know, the day before I speak, I'm thinking, man, what do you have to say tomorrow? That's not going to make any sense, and nobody wants to hear it anyway. And, you know, it's, it's in those moments that these words from Genesis really help. That, that if I can take a step back from my feelings, my emotions, from the things I've experienced and done, and just realize that I matter because I bear God's image and not because of the, not because of all those other things, that really helps. Look at the verses together, uh, verses uh, 26 and 10, 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock and over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. In the beginning, go back to verse 26. He says, you know, let's make man in our image, in our likeness. Those two phrases, in our image, in our likeness, they're just parallel expressions that say the same thing. Oftentimes in Hebrew writing, there would be parallel thoughts, parallelism. And it would just be an emphasis because the author, God, God would want people to really understand certain things. He'd put like exclamation points. And this was his way of doing it. He would repeat thoughts. These ideas are basically just emphasizing that we've been made to be like God. In a sense, we're, we're, we bear, we're like a stamp or an impression of Him. And I, and I want to look at specifically what that means but not everybody thinks this way not everybody feels like we bear god's image but this is what makes us unique among the rest of creation you know god created animals he created all these different things and we're not like animals we're we have some similarities but we're, we're different than dogs you know but but some people would lower humanity and say no we're all the same we're just you know domesticated animals that's who humans are um, you've you've probably heard of the organization PETA. PETA. What is it? Uh, People. Ethical treatment of animals. You know, animal rights. Um, look at some of these quotes. This is a quote from just showing the the devaluing of humans. Um, this is a quote from the co-founder of PETA. I'm not only uninterested in having children, I'm opposed to having children. Having a purebred human baby is like having a purebred dog. It is nothing but vanity. Human vanity. Wow. Look at the next quote. Animal liberationists do not separate the human animal, so there is no rational basis for saying that a human being has special rights. A rat is a pig, is a dog, is a boy. They are all mammals. Just an amazing statement. Look at this next one. Six million people died in concentration camps, but six billion broiler chickens will die this year in slaughterhouses. How absurd. The way that she would compare human beings is just astounding. It's... It just kind of blows you away. Because what we learn in the Scriptures is that God says... 
that human beings are extremely precious and valuable. We're very different. He fashioned us in a very special way to bear the stamp of his own likeness. The Hebrew word image, when he says, let us make man in his image, it comes from a root word that speaks of carving. Just carving, chiseling something out of wood to fashion after something else. God carefully patterned you after himself. He's made us in his image. He said, let us, let us, that's kind of unusual, let us make man in our image. He's using plural uh, terms. He's, he's speaking for the, the Trinity. You know, they're, they're, let us, they're deliberating. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit are, are speaking about the uniqueness of man here. Let us make man in our image. The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, all equally are God. There's one God. He's expressed Himself as Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in that personhood, which is known in theological terms as, as the Trinity, you, you see God in those personhood roles relating to us in different ways. And we're not going to make this message about the Trinity, but when he's saying, let us make man in our image, he's saying to have the ability to maintain relationships, to have the ability to connect with people on a meaningful level. He, he wants us to be able to connect. Just like he has existed eternally in a Trinitarian relationship, he's created us to be able to connect with this desire to connect in community, to connect with people. We're not really looking at that communal aspect. We're going to look at that next week. But it's interesting. He's making us like Him. There's some other things that we've been created in His image. He, he's given us a moral consciousness. He's given us a moral compass that is very different than animals. Animals um, you know, don't have a real sense of right and wrong. Um, but there's something inside, and you can teach animals what's out of bounds behavior. Um, but we're very different than animals in that we have a sense inside of us when we've blown past what is right and wrong. That, that's not on accident. God made us that way. He's put something inside of us to reflect His own image. He is, he is holy. He's righteous. He's, he's good and just. He's put some things inside of us to reflect those characteristics of Himself. And as His image bearers, We've been given a very, very high place. Look at verse 26. It says, you know, let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air. He's given us leadership, a place of significance and status. And then you flip down to verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Or him, male and female, he created them. The word created here is a Hebrew term that only is used in the Bible describing God's creative ability. And here in this verse, it shows up three times. Because he's trying to, again, put an exclamation point in the fact that God created us this way. We're not, we didn't evolve on accident. The, the way you are is because God has crafted you after His image. This is what brings significance into our lives. Have you ever lost something? Have you ever lost your glasses? And you're, you're walking around... And you discover that the whole time they were right there on your head. Anybody ever done that? I wear sunglasses. I've done that before. You know, and I think 
about our lives, and so often we do that. We are looking for our significance, and we search and search and search to find significance and meaning. And all along, it's right there before us. God has made us significant. And, you know, we're looking to, to patch up our lives and to do things that might make us feel better about ourselves. And God says the whole time, you're significant as you are. And so in this scripture here, we're, we're really just challenged not to try to jump through more hoops, not to go looking for significance in relationships, thinking our kids are going to bring it to us, thinking that our career is going to make us more significant, thinking that if we just had our parents' approval that that would bring it all together for us. What this means is you don't have to be any better looking. You don't have to drive a nicer car. You don't have to you know, achieve one more thing in your career. You're already significant just as, as God has made you. He's placed value on you. We have this internal value. Let's take this idea a step further. Not only are we made in God's image, but he, he has called us to bear his image well. He wants us to reflect his image in a way that makes him attractive to others. And so when we live our lives, we should consider, is what I'm doing causing other people to be attracted to the one I've been made like? Am I living in a way that bears God's image well, or am I living for myself? Would this decision or that decision bear God's image well? You know, when I'm tempted in this or that way, does that is if I follow through with this, is that going to bear God's image well? You know, yesterday we celebrated Mark's, Mark Lambert's life. And we celebrated, and we heard stories of people that, that he'd impacted. And just, we, there could have been many, many hours of sharing. Just, the neat thing about what I heard was that Mark, Mark's life really did bear God's image well. People had been encouraged. The reason you know that is because people are attracted to God through the way Mark lived his life. He, he reflected God's image and his likeness through the way he, he lived his life. doesn't mean that Mark was perfect, but in his life, it drew people to want to know God. You know, that's, that's a real encouragement. You know, another thing we get from this passage is that we find out that we matter because we're called to share in God's blessing. Look at this next set of verses. I'm called to share God's blessing, verse 28 and 29. 28 and 29 says, God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. So first in these verses he says, you know, God blessed them, or He made them, um, He gave them well-being. He made them happy, in a sense, too. Um, the word blessing has a lot to do with our happiness. And so God, He made life good for them. He blessed humanity, and He said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the whole earth, subdue it. And in the area where the Israelites were, there was different people who believed in different gods that had an entirely different view on human beings. And a lot of the gods and the people who believed in foreign gods taught that the gods did not want people to populate the earth. They were against multiplication. They were trying to control or have population control. Their whole perspective of human sexuality and having children was to really limit things. 
And so humans were just seen as slaves to the gods in those days. And so here the God of the Bible speaks to his people and says, no, you're more than that. You, you've been blessed. Now go and, and be a blessing to others. Go out and expand. He says, subdue. He uses these strange terms to subdue the earth and to rule over it. These are similar ideas. The word subdue. It's interesting. The Hebrew word means kabosh, or it's kabosh. And when I think of the word kabosh, it means like the step on and um, squash, eliminate. You know, my plans have been kaboshed. Have you heard that before? There's really no connection at all. I just thought that was an interesting. I was like, wow, I wonder if that's where that came from in English. But it has nothing to do with it. So, but um, the word subdue, it actually means just to force down, to bring into bondage. And the point here is that we were not created to be subject to the earth. We weren't to be ruled by the earth. We weren't to be um, held down by the earth. We were to actually take control. We're to rule it, Scripture says, or have dominion. The next word, rule, just means to have dominion. We've been endowed to rule over God's creation. This was His original plan for humanity, that we would rule on the earth. And in, this, in these moments, life was good for them. Next chapter of Genesis, everything changes. Sin, is, sin comes into the world, and mankind abdicated, or they handed over this leadership to Satan, to God's enemy, who now is the ruler of the earth. We, we had a very, very high position, but through sin, we lost it. Through going past what God said, we lost the ability to have that type of uh, leadership here over the earth. We've given over control. We're not really going to look at that today, but when we look at that, it's very interesting to think about what God had originally intended for us. He really saw us. He, he said, I want you to be blessed and then to share that blessing with others. Look at verse 29. He takes care of us. Verse 29, I give you every seed-bearing plant over the face of the earth. You know, usually when we think of gods, we think of satisfying the gods with gifts. You know, you watch Indiana Jones, you watch adventure things where they're going in search for, you know, treasures to foreign gods and different things. You know, there's this idea of just giving gifts to the gods. Well, this is very different. God here is saying, I don't need anything from you. I don't want anything from you. In fact, I'm going to provide all that you need. You're going to get it all from me. I'm providing everything here for your good, for your use, so that you can be blessed through it. And this was a very, very foreign concept in those times, that God would take care of his people. But this is so true. God blesses us. He provides for us in ways that... um, we just can't put together on our own. Everything He's given you in your life is not just for yourself. God has given you things in your life so that you could in turn be a blessing. You could give away what He's given to you and be a blessing to other people. And, you know, He provides you with, with friends to be a friend. Not just so that you can... You know, we have Facebook and MySpace. Not so that you can just feel like, oh, I'm really important. I've got 100 friends or 300 friends or 1,000 friends on Facebook or MySpace. But he's, he's given us friendship, relationships, so that we could actually connect meaningfully with people and be a blessing to them, to give back to them. Same thing goes for, our, for all of our stuff. He, he pours his blessing into our life through resources so that we can 
be a help to other people. And anytime we help someone, anytime we give to someone, it really is when we're most acting like God. Because God Himself is someone who gave. For God so loved the world that He gave. Anytime we give, that we share God's blessings, we're reflecting the image of God. We're reflecting our Maker. It makes Him attractive once again. Look at just this last thing. I matter because I, I'm called to relate to God personally. I'm called to relate to God personally. Genesis chapter 1, you know, it ends with it just saying God saw everything He made and it was very good. That was the end of the day. And then Genesis chapter 2, what happens is it gives a more detailed account of creation of the human. And so in chapter 2, I'm just going to look at verse 7 here. Chapter 2, verse 7 says this. Now the Lord God... This is how he made man. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. God breathed the breath of life into Adam, the first man. In other words, you were created as a spiritual being. He, he breathed a the fact that we can connect with Him on a spiritual level is because He breathed life into us. He didn't just, you know, uh, form us breathing on our own. He formed us and then He breathed the breath of life and He gave us a spiritual um, ability to connect with Him. We were created to connect with God. And you can run from that. I mean, you can hide. But you'll find yourself frustrated because God has made you to connect with Him. He made you to yearn for Him, to be drawn to Him, to be in a relationship with Him. And it's just interesting. The Bible says that as you read on in the story, that was not enough for us. We wanted to go beyond a relationship with Him and to lift ourselves up to a different place. Genesis chapter 3 starts talking about how sin has entered into the world. And that now separates us from God. It's created this barrier from us being able to really connect with God on a spiritual level. We commit things, we do things that don't bear God's image well, and that distance keeps us from God Himself. And the Bible says that that literally, that sin causes us to be enemies of God. But while we were enemies... Scripture says that Christ died for us. He stepped in. God made another way for us to connect with Him on a spiritual level so that this issue of sin, this distance between us and God could be handled. It could be paid for and we could reconnect with God in a very real way. God's image in us can be recovered or transformed. And and maybe this morning you're just, you know, you you read this and you're like, yeah, that's, that's, that's good. Um and you're not really ready to connect with God on a spiritual level, I'd encourage you to, um, to begin to ask God to show Himself to you, to show you if He's real. Begin to pray. See if God will show Himself to you. And begin to look at the lives of people who walk with Him and see if um, they're for real, if their lives measure up to what they say they believe in. That really is evidence in people's lives over a long period of time. But I'd encourage you to consider... Connecting with God on a spiritual level. This is what He has made us for, is to connect with Him spiritually. What's preventing you from allowing God to, to, to begin to uh, transform you into the image that 
you're made to be us. So let's pray to God and and ask him to, um, to speak to us further about this. God, we thank you for your love and we thank you for the way you've made us. God, that we're significant, not because of the things we do, but because you've simply placed value on us as humans. Thank you, God, that we're, we, were, we were crafted after you, Lord, to make you attractive, to pattern our lives after you. And Lord, within us, God, I, I do believe that there is a, a, a real sense that um, you've made us to know you and to walk with you. And Lord, things in our life can um, keep us from that and distract us. God, I pray that if there's any in here that, that don't know you on a real personal level, Father, that they would ask the questions and find out what it means to really um, make you the Lord of their lives, and committing their lives to you and beginning to do life your way. Lord, and that you pour your blessing into, into all of our lives, Lord, help us to share that with the people that you put in our lives. God, we thank you for all that you're doing here and in our lives, Lord, in the different ways you're growing us and stretching us and helping us rely on you, Lord. We just continue to ask you for strength, God, to press on today. Help us not to get too far down the road, but just to focus on the things you've asked us to do today, the things that are right before us, Lord. Strengthen us today in Jesus' name.